0: The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life. It's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth, An asset without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Soane, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Soane, and welcome to another drive by episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And what am I thinking about today on my way to the office? Well, Yesterday, I was asked by somebody what would be my advice for anybody who's looking to get into buy-to-let properties or flip-to-let or buy, refurbish, refinance, as that's sometimes called. I call it flip-to-let because I think that's what it is to me. Um, Buy, refurbish, refinance is kind of a bit of the same thing. So whatever you call it, that's what it is. Anyway, so what would be my advice to anybody looking to get into buy-to-let property investing uh, flip to let or be R? Well, off the top of my head, I'd probably think of three main things um, that I would advise to anybody looking to do that. And the first thing I would say is go for lots of little wins. Don't be greedy with profit making and don't be greedy with cash flow or uh, ROI or yields. And there's a definitely a very good reason for that. I I kind of see the people that are are greedy, and I don't mean greedy, by the way, that you're a bad person. I mean, greedy that maybe you've, uh, I don't know, been on a training course and that training course has shown you that you can get properties that generate 25% return on your cash or 30% return on your cash. And then you go looking for them for those deals. I'm not saying they don't exist, but... Those 25 30% deals, or the big, basically, the big yielding deals are difficult to find, first of all. There's less of them, second of all. And you've got more competition to buy them, third of all. And all it means is the longer it takes for you to find that property deal, the longer your cash is sat in the bank waiting to grow. And all the time it's sat in the bank, it's not doing anything. Or all the time it's sat in your own home waiting for you to remortgage and release the equity, it's not doing anything. So my philosophy on property investing is, first of all, not to be greedy. Second of all, is to go for lots of little wins. I have lots of properties that generate very good returns on investment. And I haven't been greedy with them. I've just been smart with them. And another little phrase that I I keep telling myself is, don't chase the unicorn, buy a workhorse. Because there's loads of workhorses around, there's loads to choose from. If you go around the country, you will find loads of really good three bedroom houses that you can pick up at a good price, that rent out for a good rent value and provide you with a good profit each month. You don't have to chase those big deals where you know, I use unicorn as the as the uh, symbol, if you like, because if you constantly chase properties that are HMOs or student student properties because they have high rent incomes, then it's quite easy to forget about the risk attached to the higher yielding properties. Take HMOs; it's a higher risk of uh, maintenance and refurbishment requirements, higher risk of rooms being empty. Tenants in rooms tend to come and go much faster than tenants in three-bedroom houses. Now, the argument, the counter-argument to that is, well, yes, but then you make more cash and profit in order to counter that risk. Agreed, definitely agreed. But that's where I'm, I'm. I'm saying that, in my opinion, if you go for lots of little wins, your money and your cash is a lot safer than if you go for less big wins. And hopefully that makes sense. Now, look, that's my preference. There are some very successful um, property investors that have gone into HMOs or uh, serviced accommodation, student accommodation, that sort of stuff. So I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying that if you are getting into property investing and you go chasing those big wins, then you're likely to find less of them. You're likely to get into more competition to buy them and it's probably going to take you longer to find the really good, um, the high-yielding deals. So that's the first thing. Go for lots of little wins. Now, here's another part to that, a little add-on. If you do generate lots of little wins in property, and you've got a good portfolio generating a good profit, and your money there is safe, and it's growing, and you're, you're growing it month on month on month, that that portfolio or that that investment is now safe. So you could now start looking a bit further afield. You could maybe venture into something that's a bit higher yielding because you've now got a safety net of your portfolio uh, investments. And hopefully that makes a bit of sense. What I guess I'm saying is don't be afraid a bit later down the line to diversify if you want to and see if you can pick up some higher yielding stuff because your other property investments are safe and secure investments that are generating good profit. So there you go. That's tip number one, lots of little wins. Um, Tip number two would be probably to treat it like a business. Now, you've probably heard all that before, and I'll try and add a bit of uh, flesh to that as well. If you treat your property investments and your portfolio uh, whether you've got one property or 100 properties doesn't matter you should treat it like a business and first things first have a separate bank account for your property because then you can separate it you can it's easier to do your tax and accounting tax returns and your accounting and your bookkeeping it's easier to see profit it's easier to see loss it's easier to see your expenditure And it's then easier to optimise those things. You'll be able to see without any confusion what your profit margin is and where you might be able to optimise. Also where you might be able to optimise expenditure. There are loads of things that you can do to optimise the expenditure on your property investments. And also, there are loads of things that you can do to optimise the profit margin and to optimise the revenue or the the rent income coming in. So, you know, even things like having a portfolio, you can start looking at things like portfolio uh, insurances. And it might save you some money. It might increase your cover. It might do better for you than what you've currently got Um, just by spreading it across the portfolio. So yeah, there's loads of things. I won't go into it now, but treat it like a business, bank account being the one thing. The second thing is to not treat it like... um, you know. I hear a lot of people say things like, um, I'm using this as a pension for the future um, and I'm using it as uh, some sort of inheritance for my kids and that and that and that, which is brilliant. That's a smart investment in my opinion. Anything you're doing to provide something for the future, um, some sort of security for the future, I think is a positive move. However, it also has to be profitable in the shorter term as well. Otherwise, you're just going to be losing money today in order to make a bit of money when you are older and you retire. Now, I say you can have both if you treat it like a business. You make sure that your property investment is, is, is profitable today. You make sure that it's going to be profitable in the future. But definitely treat it like a business and think about your revenue, which is your rent income. Think about your expenditure, which is things like your mortgage payments, your insurance payments, your management, your maintenance. There is a calculation that works out, roughly speaking, what you should allocate for maintenance each year. And that's just things like general repairs. Uh, general improvements, general maintenance, gas safety inspections, electrical installation condition reports, EPCs, and so on and so on. Reletting the property is another cost that you take into account. But if you treat it like a business, you can forecast that. Now, every single one of my properties has a two-year plan on it. Every single one. And each one of my properties is... um, I guess, really targeted or purchased in order to achieve that two-year plan. That's not to say I'm going to sell it in two years. It just means that I set a two-year plan of my exit strategy, um, just like in a business. And then after that two years, I then take that exit strategy. And by the way, look, I'm, I might think slightly differently to others, but in my opinion, and you can have multiple exit strategies. You can exit um, you can do multiple things to take an exit strategy. Like refinancing, in my opinion, is an exit strategy. Renting a property out is an exit strategy. Selling a property is an exit strategy. Anything you do to extract extra cash from that property, or extract cash from that property, in my opinion, is an exit strategy. So. Think of it, thinking of it like that, I can then forecast when I'm going to when I'm going to have the next exit strategy, when I'm going to refinance, when I'm going to increase the rent, when I'm going to um, do all of those things. So treat it like a business. That would be my second tip. My third tip is probably to try and treat this uh, property investment for the reasons that you got into prop. No, hang on. Let me try and rephrase this. I'm I'm trying to think of. Um, the reasons you got into property investing. Now, I guarantee that none of you got into property investment in the first place because you really want to take phone calls from tenants asking you to uh, call a plumber out or asking you to fix the front gate or asking you to come around and give them the spare key because they've locked themselves out. I guarantee you didn't get into property because on Christmas Day you wanted to take a call from the tenant to say that the electricity's gone and something needs to happen. I guarantee you didn't do that. I also guarantee you didn't get into property investing because you want to uh, do the same thing with your letting agent. You want your letting agent to keep contacting you and you having to approve things and deal with things and so on. But whatever your reason is for getting into property investing, stick to that. If your reason for getting into property investing like mine is that I want to put my cash somewhere I want to generate a profit from that cash and I want to have um, I want to my cash and my investments to grow continuously without me you've all heard me say before that your property investment is nothing more than a vehicle designed to make profit without you, If you stick to that original reason that you got into property investing, then you can set out your entire property operation around that. So for me, I don't want to be involved in the properties. I don't wanna get involved in the tenancies. Yes, I own a letting agent, but I'm still a customer of my own letting agent. I don't get involved in the day-to-day or anything. I don't have any involvement in uh, any day-to-day operation with my letting agent. So my letting agents, they know what the parameters are. For an example, anything that absolutely must be done in the property that's below 250 quid, then I don't even need to know about it. If it's got to be done in the property, then just get it done. All you're going to do is delay things and irritate me by coming to me and saying, Tom, uh, the the boiler's gone out. The, The boiler's stopped working. Uh, Are you happy for us to send a plumber to the property? Well, of course I am. Because the law states that I have to provide the tenant with those things. So why are you calling me? Just do it. That's why you collect the rent, Mr. and Mrs. Letting Agent. You collect the rent so that you can make these decisions to look after my property and keep my tenant safe and also to keep me compliant. So yeah, yeah, get it done. That's just one of the things. I mean, there are so many ways that you can automate systemize and have your property, your tenancy and your investment managed for you without you having to get involved. That's just one. Um, And you can set that level to anything you like. Some people don't want to sell it to 250. I've I've got a few clients that don't want to know about any, any work that needs doing at the property. If it's got to be done, get it done. And you know, there are some landlords that would think, yeah, but then the letting agent's going to stitch me up and rip me off and, you know, make up jobs when there aren't any jobs to be done. I can't really comment on that. All I can say about that is that there are some just good letting agents and there are some that target maintenance revenue. That's important. There are some letting agents that set their staff a target of what they want them to achieve in revenue from maintenance jobs. General rule of thumb is that a letting agent will um, apply 10% or something like that to each maintenance job that you get. Now, by the way, before you go, what? That's not a bad thing because nine times out of 10, those letting agents, the good letting agents, have got very good relationships with contractors. They provide them with a lot of work. So therefore, the contractor probably applies a 10% discount for the letting agent anyway or something like that. Um, So you're probably paying Mr. and Mrs. Landlord the normal amount that you would pay any other contractor anyway. So don't worry too much about that. And you should always allow the letting agent... To, to make a profit. And by the way, they are taking time to arrange that maintenance job. They're taking time to handle the inquiry from the tenant, investigate the inquiry from the tenant. They're taking the time to organise the contractor, follow it up, uh, do all the administration around that, um, f- uh, follow it up once the job's been completed. In some cases, they have to inspect. And if they're taking a tenner for doing all that work, good luck to them. Why not? Um, but, you know, there are some landlords that are super tight, super greedy, um, and they begrudge any other person or any other business making any kind of profit uh, except for them. Don't get me started. Anyway, I veered off on a tangent a bit. But what I'm basically saying is, look, be the anonymous landlord. That's, that's effectively what I'm saying. And don't try and take it all on yourself. Personally, I think that in today's world of property that's madness. If you are not trained and immersed in the lettings world, you know, there are something like 47 pieces of legislation that have changed, changed in the last 12 months, changed. That's mind-blowing. There are something like 178 different pieces of legislation in lettings that affect landlords. And I guarantee that if you are a DIY landlord, where you do it all yourself, you look after your own tenancies, you look after your own properties, I have no doubt that you've got good intentions. I have no doubt that you're just trying to save a few quid on management fees. I have no doubt that you're doing an okay job. But I guarantee if I was to audit you and I was to go through your tenancy, your property, your tenants, your you as a landlord, I guarantee I would find something, guarantee And if I can find something, that means the council will find something if they decide to look at you. Um, And at the moment, the councils are really getting into landlords in a big, big way. They're they're setting up task forces just purely to go after landlords. For an example, HHSRS, the Housing Health and Safety Rating System. This is a big, big thing. And landlords are going to get hit hard by this. And the funny thing about that is that most landlords haven't even heard of it. The other funny thing about it is the ones that have heard of it don't know really all of the ins and outs. And the last funny part is that it's completely ambiguous because it's all based on somebody from the council going to a property and deciding whether they think there are even minor hazards. And why are they doing all this? Well, the councils now get to keep... The charges they put on you. They, they charge you, they're after you now because they can make profit from you. And they're going to kill two birds with one stone. They're going to get rid of any dodgy landlords and increase the standard of living for tenants. Good thing. They're also going to make profit. And when you align those two things together, you're going to get the council, which is just one big business anyway, they're going to come after anything they can do to make profit. And there's a lot of profit in there. I heard of a landlord that's just been fined £30,000. £30,000. The council are rubbing their hands together. The landlord is now flat broke. Nice. Fair trade. So, yeah, remember that. Look, stick to your reasons for getting into property investing. If it's because you want to grow your cash and set financial security for now and for the future for your children for your family for yourself then stick with that and stick with what you're good at if you are not really a guy that is uh, or a girl that is not very good at i don't know maintenance and diy don't go around to your property and do diy I promise you that is a very bad mood, because as soon as you go into that property and start trying to fix things, you accept liability for what happens. So if you do something like you fix a a cupboard or something like that, and then that cupboard door falls off and injures the tenant, you are personally liable for that. And I bet you don't have the correct insurances in place for when you get sued by the tenant, which is the next thing. Tenants can now sue their landlords directly. So it's big. Why anybody would want to take all that on themselves is crazy. Separate yourself from the property and the tenant and let a managing agent look after it for you. Now, by the way, I should probably say that if you want help finding a good letting agent, then I'm part of a group of exclusive letting agents around the country and there's about 85 of us and uh, there's, there's exceptional letting agents in there and it's also difficult to get into so um you know i pay a lot of money to be in there but the value that that provides is is infinite so if you want me to connect you with a good letting agent um that i trust and that i know then, by all means, get in contact with me. You can do that by email if you want tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. Just say that, um, just, just ask me in that email if, if I can connect you with vetting agents. Let me know what area you're looking at um, or what area your properties are in. Or similarly, you can contact me through the Facebook page. Just send me a message, um, and then that'll be that. Um, so, that's it. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of a help and I will let you all go for the day and I'm at the office now so everybody have a cracking day. Remember your property is nothing more than a vehicle which is designed to make profit without you. It's not your baby, it's not your passion, it's not your pension, it's not your kid's inheritance. It's a vehicle which is designed to make profit without you and that's the important thing, without you. Take care everyone, speak to you later.